Well, if you've come expecting a nice story about the birth of Jesus, and I'm sorry, but that's not what we've got this morning. Uh, in the Anglican Church, the liturgical calendar, as it were, uh, this third Sunday we've already heard is about joy or rejoicing. It's the changing emphasis. The first couple of weeks, traditionally, are more about repentance. And then when we get to the third week, and remember, Advent is about arrival. Um, it's preparing for the coming again of Jesus. And then the fourth week, of course, we're really into the, the celebration of Christmas. A couple of weeks ago, Ewan spoke, I was listening, uh, about being ready, that kind of preparing yourself, being ready for the, um, the coming of Jesus. And this week, we're going to be looking about what is our ultimate destiny, our ultimate destiny. And we've already read, Christ will return and make things new, all things new. And if we have got it up, yes. You notice I've put a question mark at the end of that, and, and that's the important thing about this morning. This world is not my home, or is it? Like many of you, I've lived through a period of history when we believed it was very possible, in fact it was likely, that the earth would be turned into a wasteland. If not completely destroyed. I was in my last years at school, believe it, I know I only look about 45, but I was at the last years of my school in the early 60s when the Cuban Missile Crisis came about. And we were convinced that the bomb was going to drop, or the bombs were going to drop. And even if we survived that, we were concerned about the after effects of the radiation and all that that would mean. And I remember in our naivety, as sort of 15, 16 year olds, talking about not wanting to bring children into this world because it was going to be such a horrendous place. That passage from 2 Peter that was read was staring us right in the face. Now I don't know whether that passage where it talks about destruction the, as it were, taking a part of the existing world as we know it. I don't know whether that's going to be apocalyptic destruction like we were thinking about back in the 60s, or whether it's going to be a, an act of God, or it's going to be a bit of both. I don't know. Whether we'll destroy the world, and of course that's a very uh, hot topic at the moment. Uh, I was just listening on the news as we drove in where the... Um, the islands, shall we say, in the wonderful parts of the world are really concerned that they're just going to disappear because even with the latest agreements they still can see the tide coming in over their islands. And that's just one aspect of what we're doing to the planet. So I don't know how it's going to happen <clears throat> but something is going to happen. For Christians, the birth of Jesus is an amazing, it's a wonderful thing. But in worldly terms, outside of that immediate region, and even within that immediate region, it was insignificant. It was not even heard of for a lot of people. The majority of people didn't even know it happened. And even for those close by, it was kind of, yeah, something's going on, but it wasn't hugely significant. 
in contrast, the return of Jesus is going to be cataclysmic. It's a bit of a paradox, really. We've already talked about this this morning, that we believe and know that God is with us now. Jesus, the presence of Jesus is with us. We're yoked together with Jesus. And yet we wait for his return. We speak of his second coming. In fact, Jesus was not only born into this world as a human, but he was there in creation. Let's see if I can work this thing. Yes. Colossians, for him, from, by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth. Jesus was there at the beginning. So in some respects, his birth was his second coming. But we won't get into all of that. Genesis says that God walked in the garden that was in Eden. So there's a sense in which Jesus being part of the, the Trinity, Jesus never been absent. But his first coming, as we call it, his birth, and his second coming are very specifically about the bodily presence of Jesus. When we talk about rejoicing, and this, this third week, it's Gaudate, I think in the original, talking about rejoicing, we can rejoice not only in the fact that Jesus was born into this world, but Jesus will return. He hasn't left us to our fate. His return is what Paul describes in his letter to Titus. He says, it's the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Personally, I've always longed for the return of Jesus. You might think that's a kind of strange thing. From a very young age, I've no idea what triggered it off. But when I was quite young, probably in my teens... I had a strong sense that I was actually going to see the return of Jesus. It would be in my lifetime. Now, don't panic. I, I don't see that as a prophetic word, but it was just... That, <laughs> that, that was just the sense that I had, and I've always had, that, yeah, I'm going to live to see his return. Well, we, we'll see. Some years ago, an elder in my church, he got to know me quite well and he said, when we were talking about motivation and and themes and things that you were most concerned about, he said to me, you know, I get this sense that you're really strong on justice and fairness. You get worked up when you see injustice and people getting away with things, as it were. You, You want things to be right And I'd never really thought about it until then. But I realised that I suspect that my passion for Jesus' return was linked to this sense of injustice and fairness and putting things right. I was back then, and still am, frustrated by the state of the world. The world around me seems to be in turmoil all the time. And I could see no global movement towards God's kingdom on earth. God's kingdom is within us. But in a global sense, 
I felt frustration and, and annoyance, anger even, that the world had disregarded God or had got the wrong God. Twenty odd years ago, we, we supported my church, we supported a missionary working in the Vancouver docks. He'd originally been part of the London City Mission and then Mission to Docks uh, Seaman and then went to Canada. And he, I remember when we were talking to him, he said, so what's it like in Britain? Can you see revival coming? And I thought about it and I said, no, I can't, to be honest. I could see faith springing up in places, but I don't really see revival coming. He got quite upset with me. I said, why? Why? I said, well, I'm sorry, you asked me for an opinion. I don't really see it. Obviously, God can do anything. But do I actually see signs nationally of revival? No. I live in hope, but my real hope is in the return of Jesus. But then what? Then what? What is the blessed hope all about? Well, while we're thinking about that, just a bit of light relief, listen to this. If we can get it going. Wait for it. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up. Somewhere beyond the blue, the angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't be at home in this world anymore. Oh Lord, you know, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't be at home in this world. And that's one thing I know I fixed it up with Jesus 40 years ago I know he'll take me through Though I am weak and poor And I can't feel at home In this world anymore (laughs) That was actually me singing that last bit It was just dubbed on (laughs) This world is not my home He's singing I'm just a passing through there are many songs with that kind of sentiment, that kind of thought, particularly came out of the slavery issue. I can remember songs like There is a Happy Land Far, Far Away, in contrast to what we're living in now. I'm bound for Canaan Shore. Get me away from this. Even things like Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. And there are many others. There's a there was this sense, this hope and belief that there was something better to come that was far removed from the life that was being lived, experienced in the here and now. Many people believe, or at least hope, that there is something beyond this life. And it's not just other religions. People you know are always talking about she's looking down on us now. She's She would have enjoyed that. I'm sure she's with us as we do this, that and the other. And then you get the people that say, I want to spread his ashes on the football field because that's where he loves to be. Since the dawn of history, 
people have put have buried things alongside their departed to take them into the next world. Tom Wright, Bishop, tells the story, he says it's true, about a woman whose husband had died, but his, her husband always wore a toupee. So when they put him in the coffin, she put two cans of adhesive spray that he used to <laughs> stick his toupee on into the coffin with him. And the explosion nearly blew the doors off the crematorium. <laughs> there seems to be this vague idea that we become some kind of spirit floating around and, and can be looking down or with us, perhaps making their presence felt in some sort of vague way. But what is biblical? Well, first, according to what we read in Peter, there isn't going to be much of this earth left. There are plenty of hymns, not just spirituals, that suggest that we're going to zoom off somewhere else. Even in some of our carols that no doubt we'll sing. Away in a manger, bless all the dear children in your tender care and fit us for heaven to live with you there. Once in royal, and he leads his children on to the place where he is gone. And even the hymn, How Great Thou Art, talks about when Christ shall come and take me home. Although, on good authority, I have the fact that the original words in Swedish didn't actually say that. They're slightly different. But how does all of that fit in with Peter and John's new heaven and new earth? Well, it doesn't unless you take all of those songs to refer to that interim period for those who go to be with the Lord before Christ returns again. If you take it to mean that, then I think it's biblical. But it doesn't actually work for songs like How Great Thou Art. I'm not saying we shouldn't sing these songs, <laughs> but I think we need to understand what it is that they're saying. Scripture says that Jesus ascended to heaven whatever and wherever that is, and I guess we might all have different views about exactly what that is, he's ascended to heaven, but he will return. And again, we're back to this paradox. He's here with us now, but he, he will return. It's the physical presence of Jesus that will return. Just as Jesus came into this world, a human being, so he will come back a human being. Jesus became man and stayed man. God the Father raised him from the dead, clothed him in his resurrection body. His mortal body was renewed, the forerunner of what we all will experience when our mortal bodies are raised to new life. Totally, radically renewed. It's gone back to the beginning. Ah, Thessalonians, one of those uh, major verses that talk about the second coming. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. 
And so we will be with the Lord forever. I know Ewan sort of quickly referred to this the other week, but just a quick word about the rapture. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry. If you're a fan of the Left Behind books, I'm sorry, but I believe that they're wrong. I've read them, I've read them all, and I think they're great stories. I really enjoyed them, but they're not biblically correct. I don't believe that this passage is talking about taking the Christians out of the world before the world goes to pot. Back in biblical times, and I think this is the image, when the emperor or the king was visiting a city, as he got near, a welcome party would go out to meet him and welcome him back into the city. You can see this when Jesus came into Jerusalem. People came out to meet him. And I think that's the, this is that image. This is the picture in Thessalonians. It's not Christians abandoning the world, but Christians welcoming the king, Jesus. But what will he return to if the earth is being destroyed? Well, television has 60-minute makeover. Has garden rescue, extreme makeover, all these things done very quickly. Houses rebuilt in no time at all. Nothing comes close to what's going to happen when Jesus comes. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. So it's not about our bodies becoming spirits floating around in the ether somewhere. The corruptible will become incorruptible. Just as Jesus the man was raised incorruptible, so shall our bodies be recreated, incorruptible, fit for eternal life with Jesus which then does bring us to Revelation 21. My number one favourite passage in all scripture. I've got one or two, two favourites, but this is my number one. I want it read at my funeral. That's unless the Lord comes before. <laughs> which I'm hoping. <laughs> then we won't have the expense. Revelation 21, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. You know, the good news is that God has not given up on his creation. And he's not going to give up on his creation. It isn't that plan A has failed, And at some point, we'll see plan B. It's not that he's going to say, I had enough of that, let's take everybody somewhere else and do something different. Genesis tells us that God created and saw that it was good. He's not going to abandon it. Evil came into this world, yes, but God hasn't abandoned it as a failed experiment. He sent Jesus into the world. Why would he do that if it was a failed experiment? He's redeemed it. 
God has redeemed through Jesus death and resurrection, all creation. All creation, us included. And it's waiting for that redemption to be finalised. We read, I am making everything, all things new. Paul says that creation is groaning as it waits for that transformation, that renewal. All creation is groaning. I think we can see that. The world is groaning physically. It's groaning. Let alone people like me groaning because Christ doesn't come again and sorted it all out. But the world is groaning. Where it will all lead to, I have no idea. Will mankind sort itself out and do something about preserving the world around us or will it just carry on with all the self-interest that we see? Louis Armstrong was always singing about what a wonderful world and it is. But there's an awful lot that needs the transforming hand of God. This world is my home. And it will stay my home. Not as we know it now. Revelation 21.3, now talking about then. Then the dwelling of God will be with men and he will live with them. Now what a difference that's going to make. God lives in us. The kingdom of God is within us. But then the dwelling of God will be with all men. The kingdom of God will be fully realised and he will live with them. It's back to the beginning. We will be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Not all these other gods. He will be their God. In other words, the kingdom of God, which at the present time only extends into the world by the fact of presence of God within us, within you and me, then the kingdom of God will be universal. The king himself, it says, will take up residence because then there will be no separation of what we call heaven and earth. God will live with his people. Milton got it right in his poems. Paradise lost, but then paradise regained. Plan A will be fulfilled. And the birth of Jesus is a foretaste of heaven come down, God with us. Then there'll be no place for squabbling MPs and Brexits, ruthless dictators, starvation, the NHS, emergency services, aid agencies helping refugees. None of that will be needed. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning, crying or pain. Oh, thank goodness for that. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. We're going to share in communion. We look back to the cross, God incarnate, but we also look forward to the return of Jesus. I'm not having a dig here, please don't take it like that, but when I take communion, I always like when we take the wine for us to treat it as a toast, like you would at a wedding. We're toasting 
the return of Jesus. And I think that idea of the wedding reception of the bride and the bridegroom, when Christ returns, that's what I'm looking forward to. The great time when Jesus comes again. The great celebration of the wedding of the Lamb. And all are invited. Now, I don't know whether what I've been talking about makes any sense at all to you or not. But one thing we need to be sure of is that we have Christ in us now as we wait for the return for him to come and sort everything out and make all things new. So as we take bread and wine, I just invite you to not only look back, look inward, but look forward in rejoicing. It is done, Jesus said. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I would give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. Let's pray. Father God, we bless you for coming into our world We thank you that we can know your personal presence within our lives. Lord God, we long for the day when all people will acknowledge you as King of Kings, the Lord of all creation. As we share together in this time, may the reality of your presence be felt strongly within us. And we rejoice that one day we shall see you face to face as you make all things new. We long for that day. Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen.